Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have a lot to talk about today. We talked to a select grouping of coaches and players of the last two weeks, so we'll give you what we took away from that. Get excited. Mock Game Week <laughs> is happening. We have a lot to talk about. As a reminder, you guys can follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and I believe Google Play, if it's still a thing. That's something that we're debating and not sure about. You can also email us all your questions and submissions to the podcast at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Like I said, guys, this week is Mock Game Week. And I have to admit, guys, I'm glad we didn't podcast last week. And I'll tell you why. Because if we did, I probably would have fallen for the optimism. A little bit. At least a little bit. From what we heard last week, we heard a lot of talk of physicality. It was USC's Hell Week. They did a full week of full pads. We heard from Elijah Griffin and Chris Steele about how things are different this year. But then we come into week three of training camp, and it seems like... Clay Helton has pulled back the reins a little bit. It's mock game week. Things seem a little different. They pulled the reins back a little bit, so I'm not sure what to do with what we're we're getting from the coaches. How do you guys evaluate what you're hearing? And, you know, sometimes when we see practice, it doesn't match up with what the coaches are saying. So uh, we talked about the grain of saltage, if you will, last podcast. Where are you at with your salt meters this week? I just want to touch on really quickly, I don't know how many Family Feud podcasts I'm going to do anymore just because of my big breakthrough on Instant last week, getting a lot of calls from my agent about on-screen opportunities. Try not to let this go to my head, but you guys gave me my big break. Keely, I love you for always for putting me on and changing my whole career. I mean... <laughs> I don't know if I had a choice, really, Chris. I will say, though, Shotgun, you missed some great Chris quotes before we started filming. I believe he said that, because I asked, you know, what's the difference between the Family Feud podcast and Instant? And he said, uh, the Family Feud podcast is a dirty underground club where anything goes, whereas Instant Analysis is the uh, upscale, posh restaurant where you got to act a little uh, uh, reserved. So he he was kind of uh, freaked out a little bit. I don't like the the way you're putting dirty on that. It was it's you like international that. waters. It's like I misspoke. I didn't mean dirty. Grungy is a better word. Grungy so, is a look. It's a theme. It's a it's a personality. A credo. Hey, if you if you're so popular and you've got so many options, you should hit up Boulevard Productions, Boulevard Studios, and go see what opportunities they got for you. Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get, get into, into that. that. Yeah. I have these takes. But grain of saltage, yes, transitioning to keeping expectations, my expectations, uh, my career blowing blowing up, and now to the, te- the expectations for this team. Um, yeah, I mean, all the things we've been hearing sound good. I talked to a defensive player yesterday, probably get more into that later, but, you know, he was saying all the right things, how this team is, you know, 
bringing that physicality. The coaches are preaching it, preaching it, preaching it. But yeah, they're going to pull back a little bit. I know the P was a little bit discouraged when Helton said they were going to turn it down a little bit this this Saturday for their third scrimmage. That's that's the thing. They always turn it down for the third scrimmage. You're going to see the twos and threes. I think we're just seeing a continuation of what we've seen in the past. Even though I tried to ask Helton about it today, you know, what makes him believe that the mindset, you know, that they'll continue the physicality like they have. And he said, it's been a constant theme for us and consistency is going to be the key. Now, one thing is you do have a shorter season. So that gives you some opportunities to try to attack things that, you know, at a harder pace, you're not trying to save the bodies for a 12 or 13 game season. It's for six or seven. So you can go a little bit harder, I think. Um, but will they actually do that? That's the big question. And, you know, even though Clay Helton said that they're going to, you still come away going, are you really? Because we've heard things like that in the past. You know, how they, you know, when he first hi- was hired, he wanted to be a physical run first team. And now they're an air raid team that spreads the ball out and wants to create mismatches rather than just forcing things in your throat. So I think that it's hard to, to completely buy into this. But, you know, from everyone's, everyone's saying the right things. If it was just Helton, then you would definitely be like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Because he's just always super optimistic and super positive about things, and it doesn't always play out that way. But with everyone saying it, you still go, maybe? Maybe that's going to be the case. But again, without seeing it, we just don't know until next Saturday. But I counter, won't the personalities, the alphas of Todd Orlando's, the Craig Nivars, the Dante Williams not allow that to happen? I think it definitely plays into it. Um, but you know, you're hearing from the offensive side how they're talking about how the the energy that the defense is bringing and how that's you know is keeping pushing them. So I think it play it, it will be a factor and that it could potentially that that could lead them because you don't have a bunch of just chill coaches. You have guys that are super energetic. You have guys that are going to bring you know bring the juice. That's what they say. Uh, you know that's what they're saying is that they want to bring the juice every day in practice. So I think it's forcing the other coaches that may be a little laid, a little more laid back to bring their energy level up to match it. So if you continue that every day, I think that wears, uh, wears off on everyone else too. I guess the reason why I think I'm a little bit skeptical now is even just going back from Clay Helton's assessment of the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage. You know, he sounded, he said he was really pleased the first scrimmage. Uh, it sounded like a good report. And then we come to this past Monday when Helton gives his review of scrimmage number two. And he kind of opens the window a little bit when he says, you know, he credits Craig Nivar and Dante Williams for having coverage adjustments. Uh, they really limited the explosive plays. Well, what does that tell you? USC's offense had some explosive plays in scrimmage one, uh, and maybe the defense didn't look as great as maybe they expected. And maybe that's expected in, in the first scrimmage when you're installing a new defense. But I just, Helton's, how Helton's evaluation of the scrimmages evolved week by week kind of tipped me off a little bit to like, hmm, maybe we should just dial it back a little bit and, and be a little bit more skeptical. I don't know. I think, I think I'm a little jaded just by the fact of covering this team and, and the Heltonisms have, have sunken in so far that maybe I'm just like, I don't want to be led astray since I can't see anything right now. Again, I think that's Helton. That's the difference between Helton and maybe listening to other people is that, like I said, Helton's always going to be positive, always going to be optimistic. So coming off the first scrimmage, he was optimistic about it. But then looking back at the second scrimmage, he felt the second one was better. And now he can truly evaluate the first one, uh, I think, is what you see there. But when you hear things like Elijah Griffin say that, 
practices are way more physical than they were last year. We just weren't physical. Now they are. I think that sticks with you. And the fact you're hearing it now, sometimes you hear and it's the same message from people. You go, oh, this player's doing really well, and they use the same terms a lot. And you go, okay, let me step back. That's a talking point. That's something that's being brought up over and over. That I don't take as much. But, you know, Elijah Griffin's a very unique and, and candid person. So when he says something like that, that stu- stood out to me, definitely. And there's been some other things where you just you feel the energy from the defensive side and how that's impacting talking to offensive linemen, having them talk about the defensive, uh, the defensive front and their energy and the different blitz packages that Todd Orlando is bringing and how that is helping them out. Those type of things stand out more so than a constant talking point about how the three young freshmen, Jonah Monheim, Cortland Ford, and Casey Collier are all way ahead of where we thought they would be. You know, that's been a constant that I've heard from probably four different people now. I take that with a little bit more grain of salt, but hearing those individual statements, those stand out a little bit more, I think. Yeah, Keely, I think we need to introduce more physicality energy to this podcast. So from now on, I, I want you to ask us what our juice juice check levels are at before the start is. What's your juice check, homie? Is that a thing? Juice check. Yeah, that's, that's check. what they go around uh, during stretches. In one of the videos, they've been, they went around and were yelling, juice check, juice check. When? What video? Orlando. Did you watch? Did you not watch the Todd Orlando mic'd up? I did. Come on. I did. Hey, what's, your, what's your juice check, homie? Ah, uh, goosebumps. Goose pimples. <laughs> Woo! Interesting. Um, Keely obviously not paying attention to the videos that she's watching. Come on, son. So false. Okay, I miss like pick up random injuries while watching the background on, of the on film. On mute, apparently. Yeah. No, what it is, Chris, is she's so used to getting the USC provided videos that have no sound that she uh, doesn't notice when there is false. sound. Just completely just, zones in and just focuses on the video itself. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's a good one, homie. Like I said, it's been two weeks since doing the feud. As far as players and coaches you guys talk to, I know we've been able to sneak in some individual interviews so far. Any tidbits that stood out to you or things that you're really keying in on uh, from the, those interviews? Yeah, I got a chance to talk with uh, Nick Figueroa, uh, one of the veteran defensive ends for this uh, defense. A guy who I think is going to be have a big role now that J2 Fele's uh, gone. A guy I pegged uh, to possibly be a starter you know, come game one. And, you know, I, I asked about Vic Soyoto and, you know, his coaching and how they've taken to that. And, you know, they've all been really appreciative of him and how energetic he is and just how he's a young guy. So he, he can connect with them more. You know, he told them that he wants to be the coach that he wish he wishes he had uh, growing up. He wants to emulate the, you know, the ideal coach that he wish he had. Um, so, and he's getting in their faces. He was talking about how it's always run and hit, run and hit. He's punching people in the chest to get them fired up. He's saying, go hit a mother trucker. Uh, it's a family podcast family. It's in the name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was just really excited hearing him talk about all these things with the defensive line and Vic, uh, look for that story to come up on uh, uscfootball.com soon. Uh, but that's kind of what I've, I've taken from my last interview. I mean, I think listening to, you know, having listened to some of the interviews you guys have done as well and some of the, you know, Trojans Live, just the various things is listening to the players talk about the other side of the ball. Um, I, I think you glean a lot of stuff from that. 
Uh, and, you know, listening to, to Chris Steele talk about the offense or Elijah Griffin talking about the physicality or Stephen Carr talk about Isaiah Polamau coming down and hitting uh, at the line of scrimmage. Those things kind of stood out to me. So that's why I, the sounds are really good as far as physicality uh, is from what I've heard. And then also what that defense is bringing for the offense. We know the offense is really simple, and but they've got to be able to pick up what the defense are doing. And we just keep hearing over and over about the different looks that they're receiving at practice. And I think that's just going to help them so much when they get in games because, one, I, I think it's really going to help the offensive line to have that continuity already by the time they get to game one, because they've seen a bunch of different looks, which means they have to communicate that much more during practice. And so when you get to game one, you're not now, okay, do I need to, I need to communicate. I need to work on that. I've already done it. And I feel comfortable with the guy beside us. And I feel like they've really established that front five on the offensive line, even though they won't admit it. Um, you, you feel really comfortable with what they're, what they're, the grouping is that they have, and it's five veteran guys that have all played a good amount. So, you know, I, I've grown in my optimism about the offensive line as this camp has gone along, listening to what we've seen, even though we can't see anything. Maybe if I've seen something, I might feel a little bit different. Who knows? Yeah, it sounds like USC's coaches are more optimistic too. And I know, like you alluded to, Shotgun, I talked to Liam Jimmins this week, and I kept pressing him, like, it looks like the ones are set. And he was like, no, we don't have ones, we don't have twos. And then he kind of alluded to ones and twos later on in the interview. But he recognized that he was the youngest in the starting five. And he was like, there's actually a lot of reps between all of us. And so uh, it seems like there's more optimism. And just talking about gaining information about the other side – it was really interesting hearing Liam's point of view, not only because he's going against this defense uh, every day, but also because he came from the defensive side. He knew what that looked like under Clancy Pendergast, and now he's able to recognize the differences in this defense. Uh, and the thing that stood out to me too, and Chris, I don't know if you picked this up from Nick Figueroa, and uh, Clay Helton talked about it a little bit today on Thursday, Tuli Tui Polotu is a guy who I've heard in different interviews, and, and Liam highlighted him as a guy who's standing out. And Clay Helton, I believe, said that he's the Tuli's probably going to get some playing time this year. And I thought that was an interesting little tidbit that we we might have picked up on if we actually could see practice. Yeah, he. I asked about Tuli. You know, asked him about Clay's comment about him being a monster, and you know, he was very praiseful of the young guy. He said he when he came here, he came ready to learn, ready to play. He was upfront, focused, knew his stuff ins and outs, and you know. Clay had mentioned that Marlon, his older brother, obviously is on him a lot uh, to be the best player that he can be as a true freshman. But Nick was like, no, I give this kid a lot of credit. I know he has this older brother looking over him, but I think a lot of credit deserves to this kid just for taking the initiative himself to be a guy who can contribute day one. And he was also very uh, praiseful of the other two. Uh, Kobe Pepe praised him for being just versatile. He can play all three of those spots on the line. Um, and also Jamar, he he said he's you know been very vocal for a freshman. He's been impressed with him. So yeah, that this this D line group is looking like a real strength of this uh, this class. I mean, listening to what people are saying, the this recruiting class that has been deemed and been you know which was one the worst ever by USC at least since the recruiting rankings have been done by far the worst. Maybe there are some players that will make impacts earlier than we expected. Now, there's some good down-the-road candidates in this group uh, that have some potential, but we didn't expect there to be, besides Gary Bryant, to be any immediate impact. 
maybe there are. And maybe the, the, the help of the extra couple months of training because of the pandemic that they've been able to get in. Uh, and, and talking with, with Tim Drevno, uh, he told me that the, the, the offensive linemen, they put all six of them in a group and had them working out four times a week. He said some of the other groups will work out four times a week at times, but the offense line that offense line group they were they're pushing a little bit harder uh, with their workouts and stuff to try to get them to bulk up. So uh, maybe that's something that we see a little bit sooner impact than we initially anticipated with this group. Now, is it anywhere close to the recruiting class it should be? No, and that and that'll be something that we'll see if that is turn around this season uh, or turn around this this year this recruiting class coming up with how they do this season. If they play really well, then I think the recruiting class closes really strong and they'll have a top five, top 10 class once again. And one more thing I forgot to mention with uh, Figueroa talking about uh, Thule is that he's like exactly like body-wise, like Marlon. They move the same. They walk the same down to like the ankles and the and the thighs, just body-wise. He said it get very confusing sometimes. He's just faster than uh, Marlon, which is a scary, a scary thing. Interesting, uh, you know, that I, I think that, um, Thule has a big advantage coming in because he's playing pretty much the same position as his brother, may, maybe playing beside him. But just having all that knowledge of the defense, he's going to get from big brother already when he comes in. You know, he can pass that. He could have been passing the playbook down for the last two years, you know, if he knew where he wanted to go before. So I think there's a big advantage of not only having your brother on the team, uh, an older brother on the team, but having a very similar position to just help out and have all the same tidbits and pointers and stuff there. He said he didn't know, but I think he knew. <laughs> One player we haven't talked about, but has been mentioned a bunch that I, you know, that I think that has stood out from talking to players and coaches, Pelly and Itiote. Clay Helton has just raved, yep. raved about the relationship with him and Todd Orlando and how he is taking the coaching, hard coaching, he says, from Todd Orlando, but that it's just pushing him to the next level. And do we finally see that five-star status come out of Pali and Itiote? We've seen some glimpses, some big plays, some big hits. Can he put, put it together? Consistency, taking the right angles, taking the right gaps, those type things. Uh, we're hearing a lot of good things about him, so he's one to really watch next Saturday. I think for the most part, we kind of have an idea of what we're going to get or see from USC's DBs and kind of the defensive line. But the linebackers, what are you expecting from that group, especially just because Todd Orlando is supposed to focus on that group? And it just we've talked about it before, but it just seems like a underdeveloped group with Clancy Pendergast. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, we've we've mentioned it before about this linebackers, all potential, just no development, no no consistency out of those guys. I'm really high on a guy like Raylan Goforth. I think he was undervalued coming out of St. John Bosco. He's a athletic dude, feisty dude, loves to hit, smart, coming from that program. And then, you know, Kanai Mauga, he's, he had some big plays last year. He had that amazing game. I'm blanking on who it was where he had, like, the 13 tackles, uh, the interception, the fumble recovery, just had that monster game. Uh, someone can remind me of who that was. But he just stepped in, was a force, and I just want that to be a consistent uh, measure for this defense. If Orlando can pull that out of them and make them, say, 30% better than what they, they have been, I think this unit, the sky's the limit, especially with EA leading the way. I, I think it's interesting. When we talk about Raylan Gofor, we talk about Kanai, and both those guys, and Tua CV Nomura is the next guy in that group as well that are practicing right now, is they're all formerly played a different position. You know, Goforth was a safety at one point in his career. 
Uh, Kanai Malga was coming off the edge coming out of high school. Nomura was a safety. You look at Raymond Scott, he's been moved back down to that, that linebacker group uh, from safety at USC. So I've got, I've got a lot of question marks still about the, the linebackers. It's, it's the one position I'm going to be focused on the most when I watch the game tape uh, of next Saturday's game because I just don't know exactly what they're going to be asking them to do. There's so many kind of question marks. New defense, you know, we talked about how there's different multiple fronts in this Todd Orlando defense, how much of those guys blitzing versus dropping. There's just so many different things that I want to be watching in practice right now to learn from this group that we have no clue about. So, yeah, I, I, I agree completely with Chris about Raylan Goforth. I thought he, he was a guy that was underrated coming out of high school. I think he's, he can, uh, you know, he's got the coverage skills as a former safety, but he can also bring the big hits. Um, and he has some tenacity to him. I just He's been one of my favorite players ever since he was at the Elite 11 camp, and Trent Dilfer got mad at him because he was covering guys too too difficult for the quarterbacks to, to make throws. So if you're doing that and Trent Dilfer's getting mad at you in a, at a quarterback camp, then you got my respect right there. So I've liked Raylan Goforth since that period. I think he's a guy that, that could be kind of a breakout player on this defense with a lot of stars around him. I think he may be a guy that pops up and people start talking about a little bit more this year. I would have started covering those guys harder after that. <laughs> oh, he did. He did, definitely. Yeah, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't back down at all. Just a big old F you to Dilfer. <laughs> So two things. One, Chris, that was the U of A game for uh, Malga, and then I thought it was Arizona, but I didn't want to like. I did too, and I I cross checked, so that was it was U of A. I think people forget about that game just because like literally everyone broke something in that game. Yeah, everyone went down. It was not good. Two, should we set the over under the for how many times we're gonna have to watch the game film next Saturday because we it's we're just in the dark. It's so weird not having your bearings as far as like I love having practice little tidbits to to back up whatever we're saying and it's so weird not having a uh, little little inf- bits of information that we can share in that sense. Yeah, there's no frame of reference and especially when you have a new defense and a new special teams coordinator come in. You know, you just don't know exactly what to look for. So, you know, we're going to be, you know, we've got things in our mind like, oh, I need to pay attention to that when I'm watching the game, when we're covering the game. But then I'm going to get home and watch the tape and be like, oh, man, I got to watch this now. I got to watch this. I got to watch this. So, yeah, I think that that, that I'm going to wear out that game tape a little bit, the recording of that on my on my uh, DVR. I still use a VCR. Hey, whatever it takes, Chris. You just get better control, you know? You get better. Like the, I like the I like the, the roaring. Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) So we got a better sense of where USC stands injury-wise, at least on Thursday from Clay Helton. I think it was a more positive update than negative. I'm just going to run through it and get your guys' thoughts. Uh, First off, wide receiver Josh Jackson, who's been out with an ankle, has returned to practice. Kanai Malga, who suffered from a hamstring injury, has been practicing for the last two days. Same with Drake Jackson, also suffering from a hamstring issue and has been back for the last two days. Marquis Stepp. Uh, has been back but limited. Helton said that they're keeping him to a three-fourths effort level at practice. And then Helton did reveal that in uh, Steph's recovery process, he did suffer from a mid-foot sprain. Helton did caution, though, that it was mild but something that he had to work through. And the Vivai Malapai is doing individual work right now. He's also suffering from a hamstring issue. And then uh, Gary Bryant Jr., is in a running program, so he's still in the rehab phase of returning. Uh, but Helton did say they expect him for game week for ASU, uh, which is pretty close here. So I'm curious how that 
works out, but uh, Helton seemed pretty optimistic as far as injuries. And Shotgun, I know you and I talked about it on instant, but I think the guys that you have to highlight first or the guy you have to highlight first is Drake Jackson, just because of how pivotal a role he plays uh, for USC's defense. Yeah, definitely. And he's a part of that, technically a part of that linebacker group, you know, and, and what exactly are you asking him to do? He's such a unique player that you can do some different things with him in this defense, which is why I think it's so important to get him back. Now, if he is healthy and has practiced the last couple, then their their plan worked out perfectly. You know, we were kind of wondering, oh, man, he's out with a hamstring. How long is it going to be? We heard it was going to be uh, multiple weeks for him to come back, and that's been the case. But they, they play, laid it out perfectly. He's going to be ready for the first game. And I think they've done a really good job with the injuries, it looks like, so far, managing what's gone on in camp, the physicality they've talked about, uh, at least, you know, that they've been able to hit and do all the things, but they have only had, you know, Juliana Falonico is the only player that's gone down with an injury that will keep him out longer than, you know, out for uh, a game or, or more. I think they've done a good job of balancing that scale of physicality versus health. And, you know, they're, they've done a good job of managing the injuries they had coming into camp. Obviously, you would love to have Solomon Tulea Pupu back out there and Jordan Iasefa, Trevor Trout, who's out with a back injury, maybe done for his career. You know, those ones, that, but those were coming into the season. So, um, you know, unfortunately for those guys, they won't be playing this year. But as far as everyone else, They've done a good job of managing, which is super critical this year with how few games there are. Uh, as I said to Keely during this analysis, you miss two games, you missed a third of the regular season. That's just crazy. Uh, but that's how important it is, and that's that's also how important it is to make sure you're taking care of all the protocols for COVID and stuff, as we've seen with the Wisconsin-Nebraska game getting canceled this week right after the Big Ten came back. One more thing from me until we dive into Chris's depth charts. Chris, I know you tried to take a stab at those. We'll try and look at what you had, I guess, the most uh, question marks about. We'll, we'll debate that. But for me, I feel like every year we hear, hey, the tight ends, they'll, they'll get another shot. This will happen. And we're hearing that again <laughs> <laughs> this offseason. And I think it sounds a little different this year just because you have John David Baker as a new position coach there. And also he's... Graham Harrell's right-hand man, but he is candid when talking about it. He obviously said that they need to prove their worth and prove that they're valuable uh, when they're on the field. I guess, what's your read on the tight end situation, especially because we know how much Graham Harrell has talked about Drake London and, and, and what value he adds to USC's offense. Are you buying the tight end hype? Are you selling the tight end hype? Where are you standing on the TE situation? Listen, I've been buying tight end stock for what feels like ever, just because as a former tight end, I like tight ends. But it's burned me. It's burned me. But I'm still going to buy more stock. I love that he's uh, Baker is putting it as a challenge to these guys to say, hey, prove you deserve to be out there. Prove your value to stay on that field. Prove yourself to make us be able to go up-tempo to keep you guys in there. And yeah, they've it, the, the, the depth at that position is a little bit shallower than it was, say, in the spring when you had Daniel Imatzer-Bebe and you thought you were going to have a guy like Jack Yeri also in that room. Ethan Ray is still rehabbing with the knee. So right now, with Josh Fowler getting back into physical shape, you only got really two tight ends. But I'm pretty big on Jude Wolf having a big year this season, and he kind of fits the mold exactly as a Drake London type. Big body, former basketball player, can split out wide, be a red zone threat, it, it matches up for them to be an impact this season. And it goes back to what Baker said about the depth at wide receiver being an issue and being an opportunity for them to make plays. 
Yeah, I think the the depth at receiver may play into this, you know, how much the tight ends are used and if they stay on the field. But Chris, aren't you bankrupt by now if you've been investing in in the tight end stock for so long? I don't think you have any money left to buy in this stock. Uh, I don't have to disclose my investors at this time, so why don't you uh, <laughs> piss off? I think I think you really just you need to buy stock in Jude Wolf. Um, you know, he's made a couple of big catches already during camp. I think he's a guy that just like Chris talked about has the attributes you're looking for in this offense more so than Eric Croman hook. And they're going to use Croman hook. He's going to be in that B backer spot to, you know, to, or the H back spot to, to block and stuff when they need the inline guy, you know, and if he can make that catch on third and five to give you six yards, then he'll be in there more and more uh, just like he's been in the past. But I think Jude Wolf is a guy to keep an eye on. He's a guy that fits all the, the elements they want. He can block, he can catch, and he's a guy that the quarterbacks are starting to turn their eye to on those third down plays. And I think that's what John David Baker said. And, you know, he's been a quarterback in the past. He understands. But in those critical situations, who are you looking towards? And they're starting to look towards the, the tight ends in camp. So we'll see if they continue to look towards them in during the regular season. Because a good tight end is a huge insurance blanket for a quarterback. You can go to the outside and you come back to the middle and you look for the big body in the middle and you look and see what some teams that use the tight end a lot, how reliant and how reliable the tight ends can be for the quarterback. You look at a team like uh, Stanford and how many tight ends they've turned out. So easy just to throw it up or to throw over the middle when you've got that big body and know that they can box out, use their use their frame, and be able to make, you, make a contested catch, which is something USC's tight ends haven't done a ton of the last four or five years. I'm insulted that you think I did not own stock in a Mexican tight end. I was about to say, Clay Helton said Jude Wolf came out of nowhere, and I was like, clearly he hasn't been talking to Chris Trevino, because Chris Trevino <laughs> has been on the, the Jude Wolf train from day one. I'm a little worried, because he, he grew the beard out in quarantine like your boy, so now when, when I'm interviewing him, I'm worried people are going to be like, what? Who's which one's Trevino, which one's Wolf? I, I'm just worried about this mix-up. Spider-Man meme, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just worried about, you know, he has a big game against Arizona. When I go out to the grocery store, people are going to be like, Jude, I loved you. I loved you. I loved when you made that, that overtime grab. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're not Jude Wolf. You're world-renowned instant analysis analyst. You know. It's just going to be it, it, it's gonna be a problem for him, too. It's going to be what, a problem too when he's out. At, in at, what world is USC going to overtime yes, with Arizona? In what world is USC I just, going over? I think we just sealed the fate of that happening, though. Chris just like sets a prophecy in motion. Please, please don't, please, please don't age badly. Please Direct don't age badly. Direct your tweets at Chris and Trevino. Um, don't age badly. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's definitely a height, that touchdown. There's definitely a height difference, Chris. Uh, I think they'll be able to tell. Maybe a little, like a hundred pounds. You know, whatever. Yeah, maybe little it's like looking in a mirror <laughs> well okay i have two thoughts to get us back on track here one of them speaking of stocks made me so nostalgic i forgot about our old podcast format because we haven't covered a game in so long will that True. return soon stay tuned excited two if we're talking about buying stock i lied i have one more topic i'm buying stock in brew mccoy 
that's my I'm pushing it all in. All my chips are in on Brie McCoy. I think he's gonna be it's gonna be a breakout season for him. Um, and I would just wanted to say it first because I know you all agree with me, but I get props if I say it first. So there you go. <laughs> you don't get any props. I've said this on every show I've been on. So have I, Shotgun. So I, there you I'm go. I'm stocking him. You know, the, him leaving the door open to play defense too. If he gets a couple snaps, I'm buying stock in that too. Yeah, and who got that answer out? Hello, I get props for that too. So thank you, thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I'm so impressed. You guys bought stock in the number one rated athlete from two years ago. Thank you. Thank you for that. Who had a serious illness that was a serious and mysterious illness that forced him to lose a a bunch of body weight. He's missed a full season. Come on, Chris. There's some definite reasons why there should be skepticism. Yes, the 6'3", 220-pound wide receiver. Yes, yes. How, How would I know not to buy stock? Here's the thing, though. I think people are very skeptical. And I think they've just gotten their hopes up and down because everything that had happened. And so I think my point is, besides the fake ego trip I was on, I think people have forgotten and are a little just like, "Eh, okay, I'll see it when I believe it. And from the clips we've seen in practice and just me talking to him last week, it it just seems like this is is the time. Put, Put your stocks in. I don't do trading, so I can't say the right phrases right now, but do that with uh Rue McCoy. Uh fake ego trip? Huh. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Okay, guys. I was just gonna say. It was a fake ego trip. Calm down. And I saw him on Trevin's live and I just wanted to say it looks like he has an edge to him. It looks like he's like he wasn't there to have fun. He was just there to like be focused and dude just wants to play. That's just that's just what, what I got out of it. He looks just like focused in. I don't care about your jokes. I just wanna I wanna get out there and score. And I think that's true because of all the stuff he's kind of gone through in the last year and a half, you know, with, and he, he, some of us brought on by himself, you know, going to USC, going to Texas, coming back, but he just feels, I mean, he's felt like reading some of the, the in-depth and long feature articles on him is that it feels like, come on, like I'm an 18 year old kid. I made a decision. I changed my mind, but now I just want to show to people like, look, I can play football. Everyone wants to talk about everything else that's happened to me that it hasn't happened on the football field. I just want to show that I can play football. So I think that he's coming in with that chip on his shoulder, uh, you know, that he's come, that he wants to just prove himself and he's going to have a great opportunity. I, I think that the, the offense is going to be really good this year. As long as the offensive line protects Keaton Slovis. That's the thing that stood out to me when talking to him is that, you know, just hearing from everyone, everyone's like, Oh, it's such a long off season. I can't wait. I have such a new appreciation, but for Rue McCoy, like it at one point was a life or death situation where he never, he thought, you know, I might not play again. I, this might be it for me. And so for him, it's just, he was like, it's a breath of fresh air. It's, I can, I feel like I can breathe again because he's back to business. And that's what I think Chris was alluding to. It's a very like business. Let's do this mindset versus, Hey, let's, let's, Lollygag. I just want to see when after he scores a touchdown, just flex on a DB. I stand in over him. It's gonna make for a great photo. A photo Ugh. that you'll take from the concourse. Womp, womp, womp. That's right. I'm, I'm making the most of it. Us three will be in uh, the Coliseum for the ASU game, but it'll be a little wonky. Chris, I believe you're doing a vlog so people can get the full experience of this weird season. Yeah, I'm gonna to try to deliver on that a uh, behind the scenes uh, peristyle. Uh, vlog of this this crazy season. Yeah, we're going to have to try to get some unique content for you guys. We're not going to be able to get the same content that we normally get. So 
bear with us a little bit when the season comes along. You know, Keeley's not going to be on the sideline in the end zone shooting video. She's going to be up top. Uh, I'm going to be a long way away from the field trying to shoot photos. It's going to be a lot different. We're going to try to make the most of it. And, you know, we're just excited that there's going to be some football finally for us to cover. Yes, for sure. All right. As I promised, depth charts. Mr. Chris Trevino, you took a stab at what the 2 deep is going to look like for USC. Let's start off on offense. Where did you have the most trouble trying to predict things? Yeah, I took a stab at this. I think it's a thankless tax because, you know, there's going to be people who will be like, this didn't come right. This person's not there. Well, I'm just going off soundless clips that I get every three days <laughs> in a offshore uh, video file that we get. Uh, but the toughest I think I had was with the backup offensive line and then just kind of figuring out the wide receivers. I mean, they're so versatile. I think with the receivers, they're just not people moving back and forth in and out. So for now, I just had uh, Tyler Vons at his traditional Z. I had Brew McCoy at the X, which is Pittman's old spot. And then I had uh, Amon Ross still at the Y and then a, uh, Drake London at the A, those two inside receivers. But I noted, you know, Drake London could very easily move to the X uh, during three down with three wide receivers. And then Amon Rock could probably play easily play outside. And then the whole offensive backup offensive line, a lot of freshmen, obviously. Um, but I still hinted that if, say, like a left tackle, Elijah Barrett Tucker got hurt, I don't think they're going to throw Casey Collier out there. I think you're going to have to shift that first team line and, you know, throw a Jalen McKenzie or move somebody over to right or whatever. Um, that's how I saw it playing out. I completely agree, Chris. You know, you, when you look at the linemen, you're not going to see, you know, those freshmen be thrown in there immediately. They're going to move those guys around. Justin Dedes is going to be your sixth guy. You know, you're not putting in Ford, uh, Monheim, or Collier when someone goes down. It'll be Dedich, and then probably Liam Douglas after that. Now, Clay Helton's been really positive about Liam Douglas. I talked to Tim Drevno. He was very positive about him as well, and his development said he's just been, you know, doing everything he can to get better. You know, taking extra reps and you know whatever else he can do after and before practice. So I think those two guys will play a long time before the the freshmen. Now they do want to get those freshmen playing time because of having you know five experienced guys up there. You need to get those freshmen time for next year and the year after that when they need to take over some of those spots as well. The the wide receivers. I, it, it's hard to say. I think you can do so many different things that that's a, like you said, Chris, it's a thankless job for you trying to figure out who's going to be starting there. Because even if they're listed as starters, or even if they line up as starters on one play, the very next play, it might look completely different. Um, and I think that's good for USC's offense because I think Amon Ross St. Brown, um, you know, he's so versatile. You can move him all over inside, outside, and do so many different things. And the same thing with Drake London. We've seen last year him playing inside. Uh, the one interesting and maybe you can uh, explain this is Stephen Carr is the starter over Vi Malapai, and maybe it's just because he hasn't practiced. But Vi's been the starter, you know, the last two years over Stephen Carr and and, and Marquis Step and Keenan Kristen. But you had Stephen uh, Carr as the starter. What's up with that, Chris? Yeah, I just felt like Carr has literally, along with Keenan, have taken a majority of those reps. The the word out of camp from Helton and Jinx is just this transformation that Carr has gone through. Uh, he's jumping higher. He looks more healthier than ever. He's running with his new physical style. And Vi has not practiced at all during camp. He's got the hammy. And then Mike Jinx uh, alluded on uh, Trojans Live uh, the other day that they think they'll have Vi 
back by the end of by the beginning of next week, early next week, hopefully. So I just think Carr has all the practice. Carr has all the reps. Carr's in more better game shape. So I just think go with the senior, lean on him with Keenan after, and then if you know Vi's ready to go, I think he'll be in the mix behind uh, uh, number seven. That was my thinking. I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially with just the hammy issue and st- the enthusiasm around Stephen Carr, it makes sense. I mean, you could definitely go that route, but we'll see if, uh, you know, how many times have we seen, you know, seniority kind of went out at USC. So we'll see if it's any different this time. The Carr is a senior. Yeah. True, but Vi has played more. Vi has been He's uh, not the healthy. guy. Like <laughs> he will be by the game. They're all gonna. Pl- they're that, all gonna be healthy. That is the biggest leap you could make, given what we know and what we saw in 2019. How oh, can you? Make, you're making a depth chart based on injuries. I, you're making a starter call based on injuries. This is a season season depth chart, not just a first game of the season depth chart. Chris, is this a full season depth chart? This was just going into week one. This was just <laughs> what I felt. <laughs> oh, why does why does it not say week one? depth chart projections why does it say 2020 depth chart projections please tell me sir because week one is in 2020 so is week two three four five and six we're getting the feud in guys well done let's move on to the defensive depth chart chris i'm sure this was much more of a struggle for you oh i just i had a dartboard and i just threw stuff and i just that's that's how i got uh chris Steele playing defensive end that's how i got that there (laughs) trust me on that one trust me it's gonna be big I want to read the article to see how he got to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this one was just like a freaking stab in the dark, just based off clips and then just the understanding of the defense reading up on it. Um, The hardest was probably obviously the defensive line. I mean, they're going to play a lot of three and four, um, but I went with a three down lineman front. Uh, The linebackers seem pretty straightforward. The quarterbacks were the easiest to do here. Uh, the safeties were a little bit tough to just the, the depth perspective because we haven't seen a lot of Britton Allen or Shotgun, can you help me out? Kalana Makala. Thank you. We can do that with my voice later. And then, uh, yeah, and just figuring out that too deep of the defensive line was probably the, the struggle for me. Uh, it's interesting that you say the cornerbacks were the easiest when that is one of the positions that we, you know, you coming in and even last year you thought was, one of the most competitive positions with Isaac Taylor Stewart, Chris Steele, and Elijah Griffin. Obviously, the injury to Isaac Taylor Stewart, I'm sure, plays into that. Um, but the fact that that's kind of set, and we kind of feel we all feel that way, uh, is interesting. When that was such a you know such a spot of competition last year, I, the big question for me though is on your defensive line. And you talked about how difficult it was, but you know seeing Brandon Peely as a backup. You know, that, that kind of stood out to me. I was like, whoa, what, what's going on here? Now, you obviously, like you said, you started with three down linemen. But even then, you know, I expected maybe Brandon Peely is one of the guys that's in that three down lineman. Why did you decide to put him as a backup? Right. I mean, I was a big proponent of having Brandon in that middle and then you shift Marlon to one of those defensive end spots. I think that gives you your best look. Uh, but just from what I've seen on the footage, it just seems like I haven't seen them in there together. Again, that could be not be the case. But I've also seen footage where Brandon is playing with the twos. That's just where my, my head was at with that. I figure if they go four down linemen, I, I feel like Peely's the first one uh, up there. Um, but that was just my, my defense for that, for that pick. And I could easily very be wrong with that, just, just as my disclaimer. 
I think the, the biggest issue here for you, Chris, and probably the thing that upsets you the most when making this is that Trevor Trout's out this season, so there's no fish market defensive line potential with Trevor Trout and Marlon Tui Pelotu. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I didn't cry for five minutes balled up <laughs> on the foot of my foot of my bed. Didn't we talk about a Chris curse? At that time no in that podcast? There's no such thing as a Chris curse. I'm just saying. If if they go if Arizona takes them to overtime, then there will be a Chris curse. But at this point, there is no evidence of a Chris curse. At this point, I'm rooting for that because that'll be and fun. And I hate the alliteration. I hate that there's alliteration there. Chris curse. <laughs> you also included a special teams in your defensive chart preview. Anything uh, hard about that? As far as you know, returners. That's something that we talked to Sean Snyder this week. He said they're still trying to figure it out. You have Gary Bryant who's injured. How did you get that? down obviously you know you have returning guys and ben griffiths and chase mcgrath those were just like easy plug and play um as far as the backups there, not really sure i went with the parker lewis the young freshman with the big leg for both spots uh at punter because he can't punt and uh and kicker to mcgrath i know michael brown is also a factor there and then with the, the returners it was just really hard just because as you said gary bryant who is expected to be that dynamic return guy, that was one of his specialties in high school with that speed and that fearlessness and that agility to be one of those guys either on punt return or kick return. Uh, my feeling was more towards punt return. That's why I have him as an or right now with Tyler Vons, but that easily could be Amon Ross St. Brown too. Just not ha- we just haven't seen a lot of special teams in this, these clips we've been getting. The most we've gotten is... Uh, seeing OG and Tyler Vons as two of the kick returners. That's why I went with them there. And Snyder also uh, mentioned uh, Stephen Carr uh, out there as well. I, I think it's interesting that you have Amon Ross St. Brown as a backup punt returner. Uh, just the way that Sean Snyder wa- was glowing about him, uh, you know, I think that he's, he's so consistent. He's got, got such great hands. He's got a little bit of shake, too, that I think that, you know, uh, he might be the punt returner in my opinion. Um, and I think Stephen Carr, you know, he started at the kick returner spot. I like him there better than Tyler Vaughn's. I just think the the potential of long speed um, and making one guy miss, whereas Tyler Vaughn's is just a strider. He doesn't necessarily – he's not going to be able to pull away from the defense as much. Maybe – maybe would you, Sean Snyder, maybe we'll see some, some opportunities for the kick returners at least to try to pull away um, with some, some good blocking and stuff up front. And then, you know, Parker Lewis, punter. You know, I, it, it's a possibility, but I don't think that he ever gets on the field because, you know, if we listen to Sean Snyder, Ben Griffiths is unlimited potential. I don't, don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I Chris, just, I just what hear happens? Oh, nope. Nope. I will buy tight end stock till I die. I will not buy any more punter stock. <laughs> I just, I'm just out of it. I fired my, my, my investor guy who only does punting. I fired him. <laughs> He's gone. I don't want to hear it. The punter hype man fooled me once. Fool me again. I'm putting my chips in, guys. Oh. And the th- Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We saw the punts. It's not like we made those punts up. They were there. They happened. <laughs> the, my, my totem is still spinning. It's not a dream. Or I don't remember which one is which from the movie. But I still think that it will work if Sean Snyder has his way. And it sounds like he's been able to develop Ben Griffiths. I'm just saying. The optimism is there. 
Sean Snyder did talk about a couple of the fundamental, uh, you know, small tweaks they made, you know, with his drop and his footwork a little bit to be more consistent. That was the biggest thing he said about Ben Griffiths, and that's what they're trying to get us, a good punt that they can cover 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, um, rather than having one or two off each time. So, you know, if you put those small pieces together, we've seen the leg in practice. I think we'll see more consistency this year. And then I'm in for Ben Griffiths. But don't blame us, P. Don't blame us. You know, we're not the one. We haven't seen it yet ourselves. We're going solely off the, the, the word of a very good special teams coach. Exactly. That's why I'm willing to buy stock again. If you have the Sean Snyder hype, I think that's that's it's like an invest, investor saying do it. You know, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy the stock. Not me. You too. That's all you. Not me. <laughs> that's fine. Any final thoughts about uh, Chris's depth chart or just USC's depth chart in general? What are you guys expecting on next Saturday? One of the things I thought was interesting, and it wasn't necessarily just from Chris's depth chart even though he followed up with it as well, is Micah Kroom, the graduate transfer safety as a backup. You know, he's you got other scholarship safeties, Britton Allen and Kalana Makala behind him, young guys, but Micah Kroom has worked his way up into being that second team guy in that, you know, the three spoke safety, as Clay Hilton called it, with the, the two safeties and then the former nickelbacks. Oh, thank you, Shotgun, for noticing that. <laughs> <laughs> she hated that. Too bad, too bad the, the listener is not going to get that visual, Chris. Classic classic uh, Chris Trevino visual gag that's lost on everyone. Yep. I was, cause I was, <laughs> classic. The reason why you saw me pausing, Chris, is because I was like, do I even mention that you've done that twice in this pod, a visual no, that no one can it's, see? It's a running bit. It's a running bit. <sighs> a running bit sticking. that that drives me up the wall. But it's fine. It's cool. Uh, let's move on to our final topic of the pod this week. Boulevard. This was an interesting little wrinkle. I believe on Wednesday night, the first like trickles of this thing that was coming out was on Clay Helton's uh, Twitter account. It was just a video of him talking about like USC being a premier brand, fight on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then Keaton Slovis jumped in. He's sitting down in a theater, and then Matt Leinert jumped in. I think he he gave a soda to his Heisman Trophy, and then I noticed uh, USC's football account on Instagram wiped out all of what they had and started posting pictures of players with this boulevard. We kept seeing boulevard, B-L-V-D. Like, what is that? And then after uh, the end of Thursday's morning presser, USC's SID uh, person said, hey, watch out, there's going to be an announcement. So my first thing was, okay, this is either going to be something about Reggie Bush or like a apparel partnership. Wasn't sure about it. And then we get a press release. I'm going to read off of it so that we can... Um, Fully get a, get a full sense of what it is. It's they said in preparation for advancements in name, image, and likeness rights for student athletes next year. USC football announced an alliance with J1S to launch BLVD Boulevard Studios. The innovative in-house creative lab will provide resources, education, and strategy to help student athletes build, promote, and leverage their brands and maximize their market value. Now they announced this with a three-minute video. That included what I alluded to earlier, Clay Helton, uh, Keaton Slovis, Talano Hufunga, Matt Liner. It was a lot of flashy L.A. Uh, visuals uh, to announce this. What did you guys take away from this whole... It's a full like brand social media uh, effort from USC to, to promote what just ha- came out. Look, th- it makes perfect sense. 
It's a great idea. They should, should. I'm gonna go ahead and give the positive taste because you guys were freaking out a little bit over this video. But the idea behind the video is is perfect. Um, you know, with USC being in Los Angeles to be able to try to sell USC as a place to build your brand. It's it's the great. It's great to go out and do this. This is great for recruits going forward with this name, image, likeness coming down the pike. Uh, I, I think this is tremendous. And, you know, with the video, you're putting your star athletes, your Amon Ross St. Browns, your Keaton Slovis, in a music video, basically. If I'm a recruit, I'm salivating over this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I get there next year. I have a good season. They're going to put me in a music video. Who doesn't want to be in a music video? I mean, come on. It's it's a great idea, and they, they presented it uh, a unique way. Um, and I think it's, you know, USC being at the forefront. And I think this goes back to their – thought process in the offseason, the digital hires that they made. I think it's a great forward-thinking idea for USC getting out in front of the name, image, likeness stuff, especially being in L.A., not waiting around for Ohio State or Texas or Georgia or Alabama to do something and then copying them. No, go set the set the standard here. And I think they started that with the hires they had this offseason in the digital department and the video department. I think this is just another step forward. There are some things, though, that you were that caught your eye when you watched the video, though, and that was that was your guys' first reaction. It seemed like I personally hated it only because I never got a callback because I auditioned for two parts in that music video. Was this I, before or after your instant analysis? After my agent was like, "We got a strike now. You're USC branded. <laughs> You're USC hot, baby." Boulevard Studio, they need you in there. I interview. I auditioned for one of the the male influencer, <laughs> and I interviewed for the guy jumping into the pool. You were dancing. I had to do uh, subtitles right, for you. Gag right number three that doesn't make it. Mm -hmm. And the guy jumping into the pool didn't didn't get a call back. Weird. You did so great <laughs> in instant. I love that weird. It was the perfect weird you could have given me. No, I, I like the video. I think Shotgun nailed it on the head. This is even if like older people are like uh, destroying this thing on social media. Who cares? It's not for you. It's for the recruits. It's for these college kids. That's cool to them. I was wishing I was in that thing for a little bit. You know, as a background guy. You know, just a little popcorn. One of the with the. I, I wish I could have been in that thing. It was cool. There were some parts I am gonna poke fun of later. But if you're if you're an 18 year old kid, that looks awesome to you. That looks awesome to you, especially the big name guys. I mean, top 100 tight end Donovan Green noted yesterday when he put USC in his top six about the name, image, and likeness. He cited that in his reason for putting USC. So kids are thinking about this already. So you know, having something like that, as Shotgun said, you're not copying anyone. You're the one setting the bar on this. You're not following the blueprint. You're you're making the blueprint. Be the guys out there to set the set the pace, and I, I thought it was a great move. Keely, bring bring the fight the feistiness. Where is it at? Okay, here here I go. <laughs> I applaud USC for trying to get ahead of name, image, and likeness. I think it's smart to try and have an in-house thing where you're developing uh, players' brands. You know, my my haterade cooled down once I actually read the press release because the first thing I saw was that three-minute video, and man, shotgun. <laughs> Shotgun was on the line with me when I was, after I watched it, and it was just, I was not, it was interesting. But the thing that I do like is that they want to educate the players 
they want they said annual curriculum focused on indi- individual brand growth social media strategy market opportunities etc data and reporting full service platform to track content performance like that's cool i like that ideation production and distribution of content creation brand narrative stuff like that that's like something you pay a full marketing company to do when you're a professional athlete and you spend a lot of money to do so so that's cool and i think that usc is forward thinking in that sense now the execution to me was just not there. I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a 16-year-old boy. <laughs> I don't think I am. But the thing is, is like, <laughs> it just didn't appeal to me. Like, it just seemed cheesy. You were putting players in, like, these acting roles, and they're clearly not actors. I think part of the reason why I didn't like it was it, it crossed over into hype video territory. And hype video for what reason? You know, the last time we saw this team was in the Holiday Bowl and they lost to Iowa. The last recruiting class that this team had was the lowest they've ever had. And I understand things have improved since then, but I don't think you've done enough to have this full hypeness to happen. And I know you can't wait for that. You can't wait for this team to mean what it says for to get ahead of NIL. You just can't. But to me, it just had the shades of, okay, here USC goes again. Lots of talk, but can you see it on the field? And here's the thing. If you don't win, if you don't develop players, it's just not going to be an attractive place for the type of players you want to recruit. And that's the whole point about this. You're trying to get the best players to your university. So for me, it's like, okay, this is great to a certain extent, but you need to back it up at some point. The weird thing for me, too, is just I don't know when this was filmed. And USC is so strict with COVID protocols in the sense where, like, if you take your helmet off, you have to put your mask on. So to me, it was just like, what reality was this filmed in right now? Because this is clearly not what we're experiencing in 2020. But it, it, it's random. There were so many extras in the stu- in the theater, too, like the song girls and stuff like those were just you could just do the players didn't have to do go any extras and why is ryan karchi of the la times credited in the end i just don't understand why he's credited at all i don't see him anywhere in the video i don't know what's going on it's very random Alrighty, we're gonna wrap up this podcast the only way we know how to with mr chris trevino take it or leave it what do you have for us this week chris um i have a mixture of a bunch of things i have some nicknames that i have two nicknames that i forgot to put in last week that i want to add right now uh, so take it or leave it from my nickname, nickname section. Uh, Lone Wolf. For Jude Wolf? No, for the other guy named Wolf on the team. <laughs> leave it. Take it. No. Kobe Beef. Leave it just because he's probably heard that his whole life. Leave it because that's the actual orientation of his name. His comes from Kobe Bryant, but Kobe Bryant's came from Kobe Beef. So leave it. LimeWire. Or were you guys LimeWire people? Oh, I thought this was a new nickname. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I did too. I this was is like, a completely different thing. I was trying to do like Lime. LimeWire yes. was on social media. I, I know Shotgun probably was. Keely probably doesn't know what that is. So I know what it is, Chris, but I'm too young for LimeWire. I was LimeWire over Napster. Okay. Uh, Shotgun, you don't need to go into explanation, but the World Series. Did you enjoy this COVID crazy World Series? Uh, no for the fact that the Rays lost. Um, but yes, I think the postseason was terrific, especially with, with no off days in the series leading up. I thought it made it much more dramatic. DJ Molsky spinning at practice. 
I would take it if there's a normal DJ, but leave it because, again, like Keely said, when we we're just talking about, like, there's supposed to be all these COVID restrictions in. How are you bringing, bringing in extra people, but you can't bring in the media? You can bring in a DJ, and that's essential, but the media's not? That's bullshit. Uh, Siaki, Siaka Ika, I think I said that right, entered the transfer portal, famously also an aspiring rapper named Jackfish. Uh, so I wanted to give you guys rap names. So here's your rap names. Uh, Keely, Keely, it's just Keels. That's fine, I guess. It's too wholesome, though. What about Lil' Keel? Lil' Keel. I'm adjusting this. Lil' Keel? Yeah. Lil' Keel? Okay. Uh, shotgun, I spent hours, and then I realized it's just your name. It's Shotgun Spratling. It's like David Banner <laughs> or Travis Scott. David Not Banner. like Busta Rhymes, because that one's different. But it's just your name. Take what, it. What about Mr. Gunn? Leave it. Oh, okay, fine. Bye. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Shotgun's going to be in the stands to take photos. I have a solution. We already talked about faking you as a cutout. But what if we did like an up situation and tied balloons around you and had you just float over the the game i'm okay with it um you know i might get in the way of the goodyear blimp shots so he's taking it i'm taking it though he's like his own spider cam and i like the added danger bonus that he could just drop into a play at any moment (laughs) (laughs) oh my god gary bryant's waking it oh god A medium smacked right on him that doesn't look good tackle from the balloon man yep Exactly. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for these two gentlemen. The next time we'll be back, it'll be a preview pod. Guys, we've almost made it. We're so close. Real footballer is in our grasp. It's been a long time since the holiday bowl. <laughs> let's, let's get some fan questions for next week. Ooh, yes. I'll, I'll tweet that out. You could also sell it right now. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I'm assuming... I, I was giving her the opportunity. But... The, the three people who are listening this far, uh, send us a question or an emoji that you made it this far, and, and then oh, we'll yeah. highlight it. Is, the end is the juicy bit. It's true. That's why I keep taking her leave for last, baby, so they'll listen. <laughs> sure, of course, Chris. Of course. All right. put the high-profile rapper at the end of the song. That's why Lil Wayne is batting cleanup on songs. He was not batting cleanup on... Um... The hardball soundtracks on these. <laughs> what a, a oddly specific reference. Oh, I reference the song a lot. Throw me the mic and watch what I do with it. Oh my god, it's talking about it literally <laughs> once a week. I'm not even joking. Strike one, got you bust a bust. Strike two, right before something like that. Okay, well, we'll, we'll... little Sammy, little Wayne, little Zane, and little kills. Yeah, kills. I was on Low the drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, on that note, we'll we'll close out the pod. That's Chris Trevino. That's Shotgun Spradling. I'm Keely Or. We'll see y'all next week. Uh, thanks for listening, and bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.